Welcome to The Jenna Ellis Show, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is the Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis. Legacy Precious Metals is the company that I trust to give you good and patient counsel for investing in your retirement. The Biden administration has caused a financial crisis and they have no clue how to fix it. Oil prices have skyrocketed. And when oil prices go up, not only do your expenses go up, but the cost of transportation and shipping spikes, leading the prices of goods to rise. And we are already seeing record inflation. That's the last thing that we need. Our economy is in trouble and you need to take steps to protect yourself. If all your money is tied up in stocks, bonds, and traditional markets, you may be vulnerable. So gold is one of the very best ways to protect your retirement. No matter what happens, you own your own gold. It's real, it's physical, and it's always been valuable since the dawn of time. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-528-1903 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com where you can download the free investor's guide. You can also go to my Facebook page page. Jenna Ellis, I am a public figure on Facebook. You need to start your retirement account even if you're in your 20s or 30s. There is always a great time to protect your retirement and invest just like you want to protect your health over the long term. So go to Legacy Precious Metals at LegacyPMInvestments.com or call 866-528-1903. Well, happy Monday, friends, and welcome to another episode of The Jenna Ellis Show. I'm Jenna Ellis and have a great show for you today on a couple of really important issues. Obviously, the Ukraine-Russia crisis is still going on, and I'm going to talk with uh, Jake Beckett, who is a great candidate running for U.S. Senate from the state of Arkansas. Later on in the show, um, he's going to tell you all about his campaign, why I've endorsed him. Um, Excellent candidate. As you know, and listeners to this show know, I love having candidates on who are America first. They are not the establishment picks, and they are running because they are American patriots who absolutely care about the future of this country. So that's going to be really important. But first, I want to bring your attention to a story that dropped today that is just completely insane. This is the next piece of how the Democrats are trying on purpose to punish every single lawyer who worked for President Trump and worked on election integrity. Yeah, that includes me. My face is on the piece from Raw Story. It was first in Axios, who, by the way, did contact me over the weekend and asked for um, a response to this. And I told them, you know, hey, if you're not even going to share with me the uh, the the public relations um you know, PR drop, then of course I'm not going to comment. But, um, you know, and that's that's how these like leftist uh, publications work. They try to tell you, oh, hey, we have the story coming out. Can we get your comment on it? But they're not willing to share anything. Well, I read the story today and the raw story uh, headline is actually the most telling. Um, this is what it says. Quote, threatening their livelihood. Democrats target pro-Trump attorneys for disbarment. Yes. 
So this goes on to say Democrat operatives are working behind the scenes to expose and disbar more than 100 attorneys who worked on Donald Trump's election-related lawsuits. The 65 Project, a dark money group with ties to Democrat Party donors and, yes, Hillary Clinton, plans to begin filing complaints this week and airing TV ads in battleground states to prevent other right-wing lawyers from working on future Republican attempts to overturn election losses. <clears throat> no one worked on overturning anything, but, you know, that's their, that's their phraseology. Reported Axios. Here is the quotation that is a dead giveaway that this is simply political opportunism and this is the Democrats' trying to simply go after their political opponents in the realm of the legal profession. This, this is insane. You will not believe this. Quote, I think the littler fish are probably more vulnerable to what we're doing, said the project's advisor, David Brock, you should know that name, a Hillary Clinton ally who founded Media Matters for America and Super PAC, American Bridge, 21st Century. Quote, you're threatening their livelihood and, you know, they've got reputations in their local communities. So this goes on to talk about how over 100 pro-Trump lawyers, and I've just learned this also includes the attorneys general that filed and signed on to the Texas versus Pennsylvania lawsuit. You remember the one that challenged the electoral certifications in the United States Supreme Court? This dark money Democrat operation is targeting constitutionally appointed officers in states simply for filing lawsuits challenging election results. They are trying purposefully to criminalize representing either a constituency, if you're an attorney general, or like in my case, a private client like the Trump 2020 campaign. They are on purpose trying to make it so difficult for lawyers like me to maintain our bar licenses that we are going to have to defend all of these politically motivated attacks that are funded by dark money. And they're going after all of these, you know, little small town lawyers who signed on to help with this effort in good faith, because guess what? That's what lawyers do. Lawyers represent a client interest and it's an adversarial system where even the worst people, the worst criminal conduct that could possibly be alleged. I mean, even the Boston Marathon terrorist bomber got represented by counsel. That is nothing, absolutely nothing, compared to election integrity challenges. Yet, you don't see the dark money of the Democrats going and saying, oh, the lawyers who represented such an actual terrorist like that they need to be disbarred over their representation. No, the Democrats know this is an adversarial system. And lawyers, while I happen to absolutely believe in the cause and believe in election integrity, and all of you who have followed me throughout my entire tenure with President Trump and my representation know that I believe we have serious election integrity problems in this country, not only with the 2020 election, but also now continuing into 2022 and 2024. Well, they are trying to silence me. 
They are trying to do that by taking away my livelihood, by taking away my voice, and by trying to bleed me dry by saying we are going to make you defend these absurd, ridiculous, unfounded bar complaints so that you will think twice next time, Jenna. You will think twice next time, you know, little person who doesn't have access to a national media stage like I do and who may not have the resources to defend these very costly and expensive defenses of bar complaints just to maintain their licensure. This is how evil, how corrupt, and how absolutely just insane the Democrats have become. They are trying to completely, completely tear down the profession of lawyering in America. I mean, this is like the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, when you have a system that is no longer interested in justice, but only interested in a political outcome. And when you try to take away the livelihood and the bar licensure that is required to practice law in a state from any lawyers who simply dared to represent a Republican candidate and dared to represent the challenges of, of, of what uh, the Trump campaign was alleging, that you are saying now you are such a political opposition that you deserve to be censored and silenced and have your livelihood taken away. That is how dirty of a political game that these Democrat operatives are playing. And I will not bend. I will not stand down. I will not be intimidated. And I hope that every one of these 100-plus lawyers that are targeted by these bar complaints will stand up and say, this is absurd. And I hope for the sake of the profession that the bar associations who review these complaints will have the courage and the honesty and the integrity to see through this absolute political sham because it's totally a political agenda and to say, no, this profession is far beyond politics. And now you may disagree with the politics and the client politics of these attorneys, but they absolutely have the professional licensure right to represent the interests of their clients, even if they are a politician or a candidate for political office, without being concerned that their license is going to be taken away on that basis. That is absolutely the depth of depravity of these insane political hacks. And they are not even shying away from it. They're not even being silent about it. This isn't even a covert mission that somehow, you know, we're having to file open records requests or, you know, go and send undercover journalists to figure out who these people are that are filing these complaints. No, they're going and giving exclusives to left-leaning outlets like Axios and giving quotations like David Brock did saying, our intent is to tear down the livelihood of these people and that it'll probably be successful against the little fish. Well, you know what? I don't know if David Brock thinks of me as a little fish or a big fish or whatever kind of fish he thinks. I don't care. I am going to stand firm, but I'm also going to stand firm on behalf of all of the other 100 lawyers, 100 plus lawyers that are going to be victims and targets of these absurd and baseless bar complaints. And so I'm pledging to you today, I've already contacted a few of my friends about this, and I'm going to start a legal defense fund 
for um, all of these lawyers who are now going to have to, at their own expense, have to endure not only the just the stress of a bar complaint. Because if you've ever been a lawyer and you have a bar complaint, it's not an easy thing. Lawyers all get them because, you know, you have disgruntled clients, you have, you know, whatever it is. But to have this type of political opposition targeting you, this should not be costly to any of these quote-unquote little fish, right? So I'm going to ask all of my viewers um, over the next, um, you know, week or so or even just the next day that it takes me to put this together in this platform – I want to give you an opportunity to help defend the lawyers who are willing to defend election integrity and who are willing to stand firm and say, yes, every single client in the United States of America, I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican, you deserve the best defense possible. You have a right to a counsel of your choice. And I want to give you an opportunity to make a huge difference by donating to an election integrity defense fund for these lawyers because I know from personal experience, it is very costly to defend these things. I've already been the target of several bar complaints um, that I've had to hire my own lawyer for to make sure to defend against, you know, just these ridiculously absurd charges that literally just because I'm a Republican, well, former Republican, but conservative, I'm a conservative that actually advocated on behalf of my client that they don't like, whose name happens to be Donald Trump and the Trump campaign, that they are trying to get me disbarred. That's just the most absurd, obnoxious political opposition rhetoric that cannot, cannot be successful because the legal profession will not withstand that type of political bias. And if a lawyer has to be so concerned that his political opponent is going to come and try to disbar him or her over a case that, of course, that will have a chilling effect on the profession. So I hope that if election integrity and any of this means anything to my listeners, and I know that it does, that you will join me in helping to provide financial resources to these other lawyers who are going to have a really difficult time because they are being targeted specifically like from people like David Brock, who is a Hillary Clinton aide and a ridiculous, radical, rabid leftist. So I'm going to put together this legal defense fund to help out everyone else who is going to be subject to these bar complaints. And I also am going to have you know total transparency on anything on this that I can find when these bar complaints are filed, have lawyers on to talk about it. Um, Ken Paxton, who is the attorney general for Texas, um, is going to join me later this week um, to talk about his race and the timing of all of this. And, um, and I just hope that you will not only help uh, financially for these people who it's, it's a very difficult thing to defend these. It's very expensive. And they know that. That's why they're targeting this. They cannot prevail. But I also hope that you'll join me in praying for this country and for this nation that we will not have a bar licensure attorney regulation division that is so given to this type of political opposition that they will even remotely contemplate taking away the license and livelihood of any lawyer simply because of the political views of their client. So please continue to follow me on social media. I'll give you all of the updates. I'll give you all the updates here on this show as well. 
And stay tuned for Jake Beckett. We're going to talk more about so many important things, and you're really going to like this interview. He's a great, great candidate from the state of Arkansas for U.S. Senate. And uh, I'm going to also get his views on, of course, you know, Ukraine and Russia, but why it's so important to focus on domestic policy in all of this as well. So stay tuned. Vaccines have not eliminated the Chinese Fauci virus, so we all need extra protection for our immune systems. My friends at Centurion Labs have combined five key ingredients to defend your immune system against allergies, cold, the flu, and even the coronavirus. It's called Centurion Defender, and it incorporates vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, copper, and quercetin in just one capsule. No more swallowing 10 pills a day or not taking supplements because the individual cost is just too high. So take one Defender with breakfast and one with dinner and keep living your life. Just like the Centurions of Rome led by example and held themselves to the highest possible standards, Centurion Labs has dedicated the last 15 years to research and develop safe, effective, and affordable healthcare products made in the USA that you can trust. For a limited time, listeners of this show can save 20% off their first order of Centurion Defender. Visit centurionlabs.com forward slash Jenna and use the promo code J-E-N-N-A. Defend your health today with Centurion Defender. That's centurionlabs.com forward slash Jenna and the promo code Jenna. Centurion Labs, that's with an S, centurionlabs.com forward slash J-E-N-N-A. All right, friends. Well, fans of this show know that I have been highlighting and pushing all of the great campaigns across the country for American patriots that are stepping up and are saying, hey, we don't like what's going on in this country. And so wanting to take back our government by running for office, state and local, all the way up to federal, and really taking and harnessing the spirit of America first. And so I've highlighted a number of candidates that I've endorsed across the country, and I hope that you will join me in supporting uh, everyone who is running for office that actually has a great view of what government should do and what government shouldn't do, which of course is to preserve and protect our God-given rights according to the U.S. Constitution and the spirit of what our founding documents and that mechanism for government, that system of government really provides. We are all so proud to be Americans because for the first time in world history, we actually had founders that understood that rights come from God, our creator, not our government. And the sole purpose of government is to preserve and protect those rights. So one of the other candidates that I have endorsed is joining me now. It's Jake Beckett, who is running for U.S. Senate from the great state of Arkansas. And Jake, you're running against a a long-term senator who last time I checked only has a 10% strongly approved approval rating. That's really bad on the GOP side. I think you can do better than that. Well, I appreciate you having me on, Jen. You're exactly right. The people of Arkansas deserve bold, dynamic leadership. They want a conservative warrior representing them in the U.S. Senate, not someone who's an empty suit establishment rhino. We've had that for decades, uh, not just from the incumbent, my opponent in this race, but from many in the establishment wing of the Republican Party. We've seen uh, the wages of that. We've seen the consequences of that failed leadership. And it is time to have bold conservative warriors in D.C. Yes. So uh, tell everyone who may not be familiar with your background and why you got into politics, because you're not a career politician, far from it. I am not a career politician. I'm proud to say this is my first campaign. I'm proud to be an outsider. 
Uh, I don't come from a political background. I come from a sports background and a military background. Uh, I grew up in Arkansas, born and raised in Little Rock. My grandfather, dad, and uncle all played football at the University of Arkansas, so I'm the fourth in a row in my family, a third-generation Arkansas Razorback. I played football for the Hogs. Uh, in the Coach Petrino era, I was a two-time team captain. I was drafted in the third round by the New England Patriots. I was a Super Bowl champion, a very small part of that amazing dynasty up there in New England. Learned so much from Coach Bill Belichick and just the all-time greats like Tom Brady and Vince Wilfork, uh, Julian Edelman, uh, and yes, Rob Gronkowski. Uh, but then I, I really felt the call and the, the greatest honor of my life uh, was to serve our country in uniform. After my NFL career ended, I enlisted in the U.S. Army. Uh, I volunteered and graduated from U.S. Army Ranger School. I was commissioned as an entry officer and I deployed to Iraq with the 101st Airborne Division. And what really uh, you know, set my sights on this race to get into politics was when I came home from Iraq and saw what was happening in our country uh, over the last two years uh, with the pandemic, with the riots, the looting and violence in our streets, the suppression of our economy, the small businesses, just really the, the, the radical left taking over every major American institution, not to mention the D.C. swamp. I knew we needed new leadership, and, and now is the time. I mean, people in Arkansas and conservatives and America First warriors all over this country, they're looking for leaders. They're not going to accept the same old status quo. we got to have people who can move the ball forward, move the needle, rally others to our cause, and be difference makers, be disruptors, not just empty suits. Yeah, and I think that's really the tension point of what's going on in 2022 is seeing this dynamic between the old establishment guard of the GOP that is very protective over their turf. And we've seen that they are just the DNC light uh, out here in the swamp in D.C. versus the America First Patriots that are choosing to engage in civil service and in civics in our government to make sure that we can actually be a citizen-led government and uh, not have all of the disaster that's been in Washington. I mean, I look at people like Lindsey Graham, for example, who is tweeting just the most ridiculous uh, things, who's warmongering, looking at even Rubio and looking at, uh, you know, the, the people like Lindsey Graham and the three others that didn't even bother in the U.S. Senate to show up and to vote to defund Biden's ridiculous unconstitutional vaccine mandates. And then you have these senators that are saying, oh, we need to step up and do something, but they can't even at bare minimum, do the job that the American people elected them to do. And so I think so many people are tired of it. Um, Jake, you and I had an opportunity to actually meet at CPAC uh, last week, and I saw so many young people and students and people who are really engaged for the next generation to say, we need to take back the spirit of 1776, the spirit of liberty and freedom, and this whole idea of being a citizen-led government instead of the established owned swamp. And so that's really, I think, the tension point uh, in 2022 is are people going to go for the easy way out and go for the establishment GOP that has just led the country for the last, you know, 40, 60 years, or are they going to actually stand up and make a difference and enact change within the GOP party? So what does it look like to you there on the ground in Arkansas as far as the GOP? Well, it's very exciting here in Arkansas because our Kansans are we're totally awake and engaged and energized. We're seeing anecdotal evidence from uh, you know elections back in the fall of 
of last year, you know, around the, the Virginia race and the New Jersey races nationally that kind of showed what environment we're in. We're seeing that in Arkansas as well. But I, I think you really hit the nail on the head, and that's why, um, you know, I, I think President Trump is a great harbinger. I, I call him the great clarifier in many ways because he really exposed the, the, the true nature of not only the rhinos and the D.C. swamp, the establishment wing of the GOP, but he exposed the media. You know, he, he really saw everyone just kind of showed their true colors, uh, you know, when he was running for office and then as president of the United States. And so, you know, fortunately, you know, due to his leadership and his really changing the game, uh, you know, nationally in terms of national politics, he's really shed a light on Arkansas rhinos as well. And the people of Arkansas, this is a deep red state. We're not going to lose the Democrats statewide. You know, we have, you know, all, all members of our, uh, all statewide office holders are Republicans. We have GOP supermajorities in both houses of our state legislature. All six members of our congressional delegation are Republicans. But still, we have a 150-year legacy of the Democrat Party in this state, and it's not changing fast enough. So the people of Arkansas want real leaders. They're not going to accept the same rhetoric they hear from the same, you know, empty suit rhino types. That's not going to fly anymore. They're engaged. They're energetic. And we could not be more excited for the Republican primary on May 24th. Yeah, and that's encouraging because even in a deep red state like Arkansas, um, you know, we've seen your previous governor, Asa Hutchinson, who was so incredibly disappointing, reminds me a lot of uh, Greg Abbott in Texas, where it's, I mean, in Texas isn't as deep red as it used to be, but some of these Republican governors that even though they're in a deeply red state and they could have the opportunity to really be those, you know, beacons of uh, truth and of conservatism and mirror someone more like a Ron DeSantis uh, type, they're just completely missing it. And they are completely just caving to, as you said, the empty suit. And so hopefully um, the people of Arkansas and people across the nation in these deep red states will not just be deep red in terms of the establishment, but truly what that actually means, which is genuine conservatism. And so um, people like you, Jake, I know that you know, you're a sincere Christian, and I think that also makes a huge difference in terms of how people can trust that you will actually understand uh, the mission of American government. So speak a little bit about that and um, just why that facet of being faith-based is also incredibly important to your campaign. Well, first of all, I, I totally agree with your comments about real Republican leadership. It starts with leadership. I learned that in football. I learned that in the military. I was just with Governor DeSantis last week in Florida. And really, he's, you know, his, his leadership has demonstrated not only what's possible uh, you know, for other governors and other Republicans across the country, but he's really also helped to expose a lot of these weak Republicans you know, nationwide in safer Republican states because the old logic he, he blew the old logic out of the water because, look, he, you know, Florida was a 50-50 state. He won by a fraction of 1% in 2018. And so the, the, the you know, kind of common, uh, you know, the, the, the logic would go that, you know, hey, he has to be careful. It's a purple state. He really can't act, you know, big and bold. But he, he totally did the opposite of what, you know, the, the traditional 
uh, you know, narrative would suggest. I mean, he's been leading on these issues. He's taken a 50-50 state, and he's turned it into a 55-58%, you know, 45-42%, you know, Republican versus Democrat state. Just by his leadership, he's created a culture down there that is attracting Republicans from all over the country, and he's taken a purple state and turned it slightly red. So that really, you know, we, we should have 20 other Republican governors, just like Ron DeSantis. We should have other senators from these deep red states like Arkansas, where we have, you know, Arkansas is an R plus 30 state. There's no reason why we shouldn't have a conservative warrior leading from the front in that seat, not just an establishment hack. But, you know, to your point about faith, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head about the founders of this country, the foundation of this country. You know, our Constitution, those rights are not just mere words on paper. They're given to us. They're endowed by our creator. And our government is is founded. Its its whole purpose is to secure those rights. Okay, we we believe they don't. They're not given to us by man. They're not given to us by other governments. They're given to us by God. And you know we need people who serve in our government who are willing to put everything on the line. I mean, when I read the Declaration, my favorite phrase in the Declaration is in the last paragraph, and it's you know we the the, the undersigned pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And that really meant something to those men. That was a that was a sacred pledge they gave. And even though they were victorious in the revolution, many of those men who signed that declaration, they gave their lives and they gave their fortunes in service of this cause. And we need leadership. We need that spirit of 1776 that you just mentioned. We need those types of leaders who are running for political office. I too am encouraged by you know seeing these you know, the CPAC and Turning Point and as organizations. You're seeing young people who are on fire, not just in Arkansas but nationwide. We can't wait for other generations to solve our problems for us and leave and lead. It starts with us. There's no more excuses. We have to, the, the the signers of the Declaration, the signers of our Constitution. Many of them were young men in their late 20s and 30s. It starts with us. Yeah, so well said, Jake. And I I couldn't agree more because, um, you know, as you mentioned, the founders, when they penned those words, they had no idea the outcome of that declaration. They were literally putting their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor on the line to do what was right and to acknowledge the supreme judge of the universe. And, you know, my favorite line, obviously, other than uh, the, the worldview statement that is in the declaration, is also the name for God that the founders put into the declaration. Um, I like to call it the great complaint because they were putting this out into, uh, you know, the courtroom of the world stage and saying, we are now showing how England has so usurped um, all of our God-given freedoms that we have to exercise a right that is God-given and alter and abolish our system of government. And they appealed to the highest source of authority, which is the supreme judge of the universe, their name for God in that document. And if they could do that and to give us the inheritance of this great nation, then how come we have these rhinos and these, you know, just ridiculous people in Washington that they can't even survive a news cycle without breaking, and yet they they come from this legacy 
of the founders who were willing to put their very lives on the line to do what's right. And I think that spirit is what a lot of this generation and the young patriots across the country, um, including yourself and hopefully including me as well, you know, we've, we've seen that we have to harness that same understanding and that moral truth and be willing to stand up firmly and saying our government system matters, protecting the rights of every individual in this country matters, um, understanding that all human beings are made in the image of God and, and, and have inherent dignity and worth and value, and be willing to be called the names. I mean, if that's the worst thing that we face is being called, you know, bigots and racists, like, who cares? I mean, it, the founders would have loved to only have that much harassment in their day. And so we have to stand firmly and boldly and exercise the God-given freedoms that will continue to make this country great. And I think you're absolutely right that we have to get people who understand not only how America was founded, understand our founding documents, but are willing to stand firm in the moral truth and of the truth of who God is and why he created uh, every human being and how we all have the rights that come directly from him and that it's not government that gets to tell us how to live our lives. It's government that protects our right to pursue happiness. And so um, as you're looking forward to going into um, the U.S. Senate, and you know, you mentioned that your primary is in May, which will be, I think, outcome determinative to your campaign, um, what is your focus for the Senate? And obviously, um, you know, I don't think you'll be Mitch McConnell's uh, stooge or anyone else's in the Senate. Um, I loved what you said to me at CPAC. You know, you don't carry anyone's water. You're going to stand firmly for the Constitution, for your own constituents. Uh, what are you looking forward uh, to doing in the Senate that's really going to make an impact? Well, I want to be a force multiplier. You know, I, I want to be effective, asymmetrically effective, as we'd say in the infantry, beyond my vote. You know, still being in the Senate, you're still one of a hundred. So in my mind, as someone from a deep red state, a, a bold state that wants to send a real leader to D.C., I think the people of Arkansas will, will give me that mandate to go out beyond that one vote. I want to be able to be someone who can identify, recruit, fund, endorse other great candidates not just at the federal level, but at the state level here in Arkansas and around the country. You know, I'm proud to be endorsed you know, by a couple of congressmen who, who do that, uh, you know, people like yourself who, who go out and you know, they're not really constricted by you know, where they are on the map. You know, they want to have a bold impact. You know, they want to go out there and find that next generation of leaders who are going to save this country. And, you know, I'm very blessed and very fortunate to have a, a good network here in Arkansas. And, you know, as a, as a former athlete and uh, through my military career, I, I had some, some built-in, a little bit of built-in name ID going in. But there's other great people who would be great political leaders, uh, you know, in the public sphere who don't have those, uh, who don't have those, you know, th th those same, uh, you know, benefits built in before they run. So I want to be someone who can be a champion for those people, not just for the, the values that I stand for in this race, in this campaign, but I want to be someone who leads, uh, not just by my vote and by my example in the U.S. Senate, but it, someone who can actually rally others and bring others in my wake and can build just a, a, a cadre of great, young, bold leaders uh, in the Senate and in Congress in D.C. because that's what it's going to take. It's not just going to be sending you know one person on a, on a white horse you know into the swamp to save things. It's got to be it's got to be a movement, and we've got to keep you know keep pressing and keep moving the needle forward because you know for for so many for so many years 
it's been a one-way ratchet. I'm sure you know that term in, in legal discourse, but it's really been you know that way in, in all of politics. I mean, the left is they've taken over slowly and incrementally all the major major you know institutions in American life, not just politics, not just the media, you know, but unfortunately, sports, these these, these woke, crazy leftist sports leagues, the military, I, you know, it, it just it pains me. One of the reasons why I'm motivated to get into politics is because I saw what was happening behind the scenes. In our military, you know, as I was transitioning, you know, under the Trump, administra- Trump administration into, you know, having Joe Biden as commander in chief and, you know, with these these insane vaccine mandates, the, you know, woke leftist indoctrination in our military, we've already seen the just utter failures of the upper echelons of our senior command at the Pentagon, you know, with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, with the Secretary of Defense, you know, there, there's existential rot that has taken root in our military in you know, if I'm blessed enough to win this race and, you know, perhaps be on the Senate Armed Services Committee, I'll be able to, to have an impact there and, and to completely, you know, change the way that our, our military is led because it starts at the top. It starts with leadership. Um, you know, I, I want to be a leader on, you know, military issues and also social issues, but really everything. It's not a single issue campaign. I've got to be someone who leads from the front on the issues that matter to Arkansans and conservatives and America First Patriots all over this country. Yeah. And speaking of coalition building, um, you know, that was something that President Trump has done so well. And I think you're very wise to look at uh, Congress and the U.S. Senate as a team sport. Um, you know, one of my favorite people in Washington and probably um, the person that, you know, I, I trust the most in Washington is uh, Congressman Mike Johnson. He's been um, such a great friend. He's, you know, Congressman from Louisiana. A lot of my listeners uh, know who he is, and he's been on this show a number of times. And, you know, he always reminds me that Congress Congress is a team sport, you know, and so for all of these people who are up there just championing their one uh, single issue or the one thing that they prefer, they're kind of uh, missing the whole idea of, of a cadre that you were talking about, Jake, and how, um, you know, really the GOP has done a terrible job of building a genuinely conservative coalition. And, um, you know, speaking of CPAC, that is my one major problem with a lot of these so-called conservative organizations that are doing um, what I like to call moral gerrymandering. You know, therefore, this whole idea of, a, of being a big tent they're missing that there are some things that are non-negotiable. And leadership is making sure that you are proceeding on the basis of truth of um, of a moral framework that doesn't have concessions on things that aren't negotiable. And so when you have things like, you know, the log cabin Republicans that are sponsoring CPAC, when you have the Pride Coalition in the GOP, when you have some of these things that are so completely antithetical to the moral values of what underpin and undergird conservatism, then you're truly destroying that coalition before it even has a chance of launching. And so one of the things that I think is incredibly important um, for people who are in Washington and for the next generation of conservatives is to remember those values and having those fundamental principles that don't give those types of concessions. And of course, um, you know, it is all about compromise in some of those ways that you have to in negotiation. I mean, in you know, contract litigation and in negotiation. Um, as a lawyer, I know all about making the concessions that you need to to get to a deal. But at the same time, you don't sacrifice the things that are essential. And we've seen over and over again 
the people in Washington who don't understand or who just simply aren't willing to stand up firmly for the principles of conservatism that ultimately are the principles of the Christian worldview as the best explanation of the reality to which we're presented. And so, you know, what are your thoughts on some of that coalition building in terms of making sure to draw the bright line distinctions between what is genuine conservatism and Christian values versus uh, just being, you know, the next person in Washington and, you know, the GOP that's, that's the windsock and that's not really standing for anything. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, we can't allow ourselves to be co-opted by the spirit of the age, as so many people call it. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to get wrapped up into those narratives because we're just bombarded by it with the mainstream media. I mean, things that were so far to the left, just out, outside of the political mainstream 20, 30 years ago, are now considered moderate or even center-right. I mean, the traditional biblical view of marriage is a great example. I mean, I remind people in Arkansas, and everyone, it's a a line that makes everyone shake their heads is that Barack Obama, this is the truth, he ran, I mean, he may not have believed it in his mind, but he ran as a traditional marriage presidential candidate in 2008. You know, and that just goes to show you how far the needle has shifted. And so, and I also think it illustrates the, the massive chasm that is between the establishment Republican Party and the base, the beating heart of the grassroots. And you know, I, I don't think the answer is widening that chasm. I think it's shrinking it. I think it's leaning into our strongest supporters, you know, the people who still believe in the traditional views that this country was founded upon. Okay, the people of Arkansas, I mean, we are still, you know, as I like to say, you know, barrel-chested, red-blooded American patriots. And you know, those things haven't changed. And, you know, we this is a, this is a state where, you know, people still go to church on Sunday mornings, and, and we still talk about these things around the dinner table. And I, I think we take this country back by leaning in to those traditional values uh, rather than trying to escape them and become co-opted by the spirit of the age. So I, I totally reject that logic. Um, it's encouraging and I, as we, you know, the, there's, there's no organization that is without its faults, but it is encouraging to see young people across this country who are you know, they, they might not, you know, understand it, um, you, you know, it, they might be feeling it more at a subconscious level, but they do feel empty in, in, in our contemporary discourse. They, they feel empty with all the things they see through the mainstream media with all these corrupted institutions. And they're, they're looking for something, you know, deeper. And, you know, obviously that starts with faith, but they're also looking towards, you know, traditional, you know, just things that, you know, our government was founded upon tradition. And, and that's what, I like to define conservatism as a, a embracing tradition, and I think we should lean into that and not shy away from it. Yeah, and truth doesn't change. And so, you know, whether uh, the the left and the progressives say that, you know, we have to continue uh, to create a different culture and lean into, as you call it, the spirit of the age. Well, you know, while while some culture and technology and other things, um, you know, of course, do change and to and continue uh, to to have to be navigated, truth does not change. And we've seen that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, uh, when we as conservatives are grounded in 
truth and say, okay, our government is built on this recognition of divine truth, then the purpose and the goal of government doesn't change. And that's why these rights that are protected, um, you know, when we look at what's happening to the First Amendment, when we're looking at what's happening to censorship, um, when we're looking at, you know, what's happening, as you said, to, to traditional marriage and some of these things, well, even though uh, the the way that we apply the First Amendment is going to look very different in 2022 than it did, you know, in 1787. The fundamental right is still the same, and it is still God given. And so, to have people like you who are uh, who are wanting to go to Washington, understanding that and actually protecting those rights, I think is so incredibly important, not only for Washington, but also to teach the next generation to say that, you know, this isn't just about policy. This is about principle. And so as you're looking, Jake, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you, given your military background on the principles of uh, what's going on in Washington right now, and especially as we're looking at the situation in uh, Ukraine. And, you know, to me, as someone who obviously is not, um, you know, a military expert, I'm not uh, the veteran that you are. And thank you so much for your service to this country. Um, you know, as we're looking at what's going on, it's actually deeply disturbing to me from just an economic standpoint. Some of these things that are coming out, for example, like MasterCard and Visa that are just saying, you know what, we don't agree with what Russia is doing. So we're shutting down all of the citizens in Russia, their ability to to use their credit card, to access their bank accounts. I mean, you know, people can laud that and say, well, yeah, Russia is obviously the bad guys. But if you're looking at that uh, precedent and what that would mean if, say, they disagree with what the 47th president of the United States is doing, that kind of thing is really, really disturbing. And not just on the ground in Ukraine of this, you know, invasion of a sovereign nation, but how the world and specifically America is responding, there's some things that are concerning here. What's your take? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. And I think it's important to note that, you know, in the midst, you know, as this crisis in Eastern Europe started to unfold, you know, Joe Biden rolled out his new Supreme Court nomination. So, you know, we, we have to, you know, we have to just cut through the noise and, and look at what the Democrats are actually doing. They're focusing on their domestic policy agenda. That's where it always starts and always ends with them, is their domestic policy agenda. I mean, Barack Obama famously, I mean, he saw our military just truly as more of a social justice experiment, just one other avenue to advance his domestic policy agenda. And the Biden administration is no different. You know, they, they introduced their new SCOTUS nominee in the midst of this crisis. I think they're using uh, the energy crisis that's coinciding with it as an excuse to continue to expand their Green New Deal agenda here uh, on our shores. And, you know, really the this crisis was precipitated, you know, by Joe Biden's weakness in Afghanistan. I said this last summer that this was, you know, the Afghanistan debacle, you know, was was about much more than the withdrawal from from one nation in the Middle East. It was it was a signal to our enemies uh, who are always looking for an advantage that we have a weak and feckless commander in chief. And I warned at the time that this was going to be an opportunity for the enemies of this country to mobilize. We're not just seeing it in Eastern Europe. We're seeing it in China. We're seeing it in Iran. We're seeing it in North Korea. And so the consequences, we're living them right now. But, you know, I, I do say this and I, I say it firmly that I am not for, uh, you know, American military intervention in this conflict in Eastern Europe. I think that would be a mistake. There have been some incredibly irresponsible comments uh, from not just members of the media, but members of the Republican Party 
you know, calling for the establishment of a no-fly zone. I don't think people really understand what that means. That means Americans shooting down Russian aircraft, which is insane. That would precipitate a a nuclear exchange, possibly. Uh, people are talking about you know other you know talking about assassinating you know foreign heads of state. Uh, that has not worked out well for the United States interests uh, over the past several decades. It's it's really unfortunate to see you know a lot of these lessons learned, what you hoped were lessons learned from the past twenty years with our interventions. Uh, particularly in nation building in Afghanistan and Iraq, which, you know, for the latter, uh, I saw firsthand was a failure. Um, you know, so we, we have a lot of work to do in communicating, cutting through the noise of the mainstream media, uh, of the uniparty, unibrow government in D.C. Um, you know, it's unfortunate to see that after, you know, the last two years of, you know, whenever the the political establishment and the media are marching in lockstep on a single issue, like it was with COVID and the vaccines and the mass mandates, you know, you should. You know, you would hope that after two years, you know, we were a bit more skeptical. Uh, we're seeing that now on Ukraine, and you know, we're not. I don't think we're seeing enough healthy skepticism uh, about when everyone is marching to the same drumbeat uh, when it comes to D.C. Uh, in the media complex. So, you know, I, I'm very much skeptical of American military intervention. I don't think it should happen. Uh, you know, I, I'm hoping that there is uh, a, a ceasefire in short order. Uh, you know, I, I think that the you know the, the defense of Ukraine, their fate was sealed with the lack of response after Russian incursions in Crimea in 2014. Um, you know, obviously these these countries, NATO and NATO aligned countries in Europe, have been drafting off of the American taxpayer. They've been drafting uh, off the protection of the American military. You know, a lot of these countries, these Eastern Bloc countries, they don't really have a military of their own. Germany famously, infamously, spends less than 1.5% of their GDP on defense. They really don't have the means of defending themselves. And, you know, look, we're, this is not the end of history. You know, there's, there's really no excuse for a country that does not spend on their own military defense. They, they, they really shouldn't be that upset, you know, when they get invaded. And, um, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, it's tough love, so to speak. But, you know, we have to look out for American interests first. Um, and I do not think that means boots on the ground or things like a no-fly zone over Ukraine. Yeah, and that definition of no-fly zone, I think you're right that a lot of people really don't understand that and how that can precipitate uh, really World War III. And, you know, that's been kind of the rhetoric of, you know, oh, we're going to engage in World War III, but it's literally possible at this point in time. And it's so interesting to me as well how almost overnight – uh, all of the, you know, COVID narrative, Dr. Fauci is nowhere to be seen. All of these uh, blue states like New York now that are getting rid of all of their mandates, uh, this crumbled because of the Supreme Court decision and because the Biden administration was not able to push through their domestic agenda through the COVID narrative. Now, suddenly overnight, all the leftists, all the Twitter bots, they have their Ukraine flag in place of, you know, their two little emoji vaccine syringes in their personal pronoun bios. They have the flags instead of their mask profile pictures. And it's almost like overnight, somebody sent out the talking points and everything changed. And so as we're looking at the potential for this great reset, um, I had been saying from a legal standpoint over and over for the last two years, they don't care about health and safety. They only care about the precedent because if they can compel you to take a vaccine under the auspices of it's for your health and the greater good, what else can they not mandate under that same provision? So now when we're looking at the narrative and your right to focus, I think, on the domestic agenda that they are 
pushing through now um, while everyone's attention is focused on Ukraine and even through that whole uh, just debacle that's over there. Um, I've seen reports, and I think it makes a lot of sense, about this coming so-called cybersecurity threat and how uh, this is going to advance what uh, they've been trying to do, which is to take hold of world currency, make it you know, completely just one world uh, government, and to say that this kind of, um, of breach into cybersecurity is going to require the U.S. intervention to say, okay, we have to, um, as the government, make sure that we are uh, depressing the risk. And in doing so, they're going to actually create a lot of problems for Americans. And so where do you see all of this going with the greater picture than just what the news is talking about? Well, I think you're right to focus on the dangers of a lot of these giant American corporations and international globalist corporations uh, cutting off individuals uh, from their banks, uh, you know, cutting off. Obviously, we've seen unprecedented censorship from these giant tech companies for the past couple of years. And I, I think you're right that the precedent is being set is that if you have offensive political views or if you are you know, somehow going against the spirit of the age or the regime, regime then it is acceptable for you to be ostracized, uh, essentially you know, just taken out of the public square uh, and, and removed from your ability to participate in the economy, uh, you know, even you know, have your essential services or your personal liberty uh, to be violated. And I think that's extremely dangerous. Uh, I don't hear enough people uh, on the, in the Republican Party talking about uh, just the, the, as you said, the, the markers that are being laid down, you know, first through COVID and now through the, you know, the Canadian protests, the reactions to that, um, yeah. the, these, these sanctions on, you know, just private Russian citizens, uh, you know, people of Russian descent here in the United States. Um, you know, it's, it's disturbing to see that. And we need more people who, who are, you know, not only aware of this, but are, are prepared to to fight back against the powers that be uh, that are trying to enable this to happen. Because you know, we all know when Democrats are in power, they want to expand the unaccountable administrative state. You know, they, they want to expand these unaccountable administrative agencies that have true rulemaking and lawmaking authority de facto in the United States now. And you know, I, I think it's a litmus test for anyone who wants to call themselves a leader. In conservative politics, you'd be willing to go to war against the the fourth branch of government, which is now the administrative state, because that's really how you know the Democrats over the years they figured out that it's almost impossible to to really pass their entire agenda through Congress. They're going to use it through these administrative agencies, and we've seen that from the IRS, the CDC, people like Dr. Fauci. You know, no one Which votes for these people. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, no one no one votes for these people. But they have true. I mean, they if the last two years have demonstrated nothing, it's demonstrated their ability to reach out and touch every single American citizen, and that's extremely dangerous. And this it's one of the reasons why I'm running is to fight back and take that out from the inside out. Yeah, and the agency authority of these unelected bureaucrats is astonishing, and it's really unconstitutional if you look at it from the federal level. And uh, you know, looking at how the uh, the Biden administration, I mean, during the Trump 2020 campaign, there was a reason that we called him Beijing Biden, you know, and how uh, Biden was taking a lot of his. Uh, policy and a lot of his viewpoints from the Chinese Communist Party and, of course, implementing a, um, a social credit score and having, um, you know, talking about censorship and having um, Americans who, if 
if we are censored off of the public square, a lot of people just say, oh, well, you know, I don't really care about Twitter anyway. Well, it's not just about being censored off of a private uh, big tech oligarch social media platform. It ultimately will result in not being able to participate in the economy. Like you said, not uh, having, you know, the, the closing and shuttering of businesses, but ultimately being a lot like the Chinese Communist Party. And that's what we're facing. And so while it's really easy for a lot of these, um, you know, GOP establishment hacks to go for the low hanging fruit and just talk about uh, the conflict of Russia versus Ukraine. I think they're missing the bigger picture here of the World Economic Forum and how they're trying to push through all of um, the world economy and how this is truly all about control. And that's ultimately what the Biden administration wants is control. And they want to make sure that you and I can only do what we, what they say we can do when and where and how, which is completely antithetical to what our constitution obligates them to do as an American government. So focusing on America first, I think is absolutely uh, the right focus, uh, Jake. And, you know, I think this is just a yet another test for American government, but it's also the next test for true conservatives. And so 2022, kind of bringing this back to where we started, 2022 is the best defense this election of how we can make sure that our government is going to actually protect us and Congress, if, if the conservative majority actually gets back the House and the Senate, to make sure to stop the Biden regime and their over-controlling, just overblown administrative state. So how can people help support you? I've been telling everyone, do not donate to the RNC. The RNC is ridiculous. The RNC uh, is supporting all of their establishment picks. Donate to individual candidates and their campaigns directly. That is the best way that you can influence 2022. Obviously, besides getting out and vote, make sure that you are helping in your polling precinct, uh, wherever you live, whatever state you are in, make sure that you are supporting your state and local candidates. Donate directly to the candidates. And so, Jake, how can people donate directly to you and your campaign? Well, it's my website, jakebeckett.com, J-A-K-E-B-E-Q-U-E-T-T-E.com. And you're exactly right. You know, people ask me all the time, you know, they're, they're, they watch the news, they're angry, they're upset, they have their own, you know, they have, they have their personal lives, they have their families, they have their professions, and they can't really focus on politics in terms of action. So they want to know how to get involved. And, and of course, I'm biased, I'm running for office, but I always tell them, you can identify and donate to great candidates, because that's where it starts. It starts in these primaries. In states like Arkansas, the primary is the race, okay? So, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to lose to a Democrat statewide in Arkansas, so that the real race the real question is, hey, who, which Republican do I want advancing the America First, the conservative warrior agenda in D.C.? And I hope you go to jakebeckett.com and help me out. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Jake. And uh, follow Jake also on Twitter, on Facebook, all across social media. You have some great videos and commentary that, you know, I always retweet everything you send me and always appreciate you highlighting that. Um, so everyone should follow you on social media. I think it's at jakebeckett91 on Twitter. Um, if I'm not mistaken. And that was that your jersey number? Yes, that, that was my uh, Arkansas Razorback jersey number, 91. Okay, sounds good. And I, oh, and I have to ask you too. So um, so was it the Patriots when you won the Super Bowl? Was that 2015? 2015. It was the, uh, the Seahawks game, the Malcolm Butler yes. interception there on the goal line. Yeah, that was a great one. Okay, so that was actually, so so funny story. So my sister-in-law is actually from 
uh, Boston loves the Patriots. This was a huge like family drama when it was like Patriots versus Broncos because we were like she was literally the only one in the house that was for the Patriots. And that one game, that one 2015 game was the first time I was like, okay, fine, fine. I will be a Patriots fan just for this time and actually like got all in the gear and was like, okay, fine. So so that, you know, not that that's like why you guys won, but I'm just No, that was it. You joined the winning team, Jenna, and that got <laughs> us over the edge. So thank you. Yes, you're welcome. I'll get and you on a ring. Of, of my sister-in-law, she loves the Patriots, um, and so we'll be really excited that I got to talk to you. And, you know, yeah, for that one game, I was actually going back through, and I was like, wait a second. I think 2015 was the one time I was a Patriots fan. So, so there you go. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, go Pats. All right, awesome. Well, Jake Beckett, thanks so much, and I wish you a lot of success on your campaign. Come back anytime and look forward to following your race. Thanks, Jenna. God bless. God bless.